So we have been going through the Lord's Prayer line by line this summer. And I have to admit, I've gotten some really good lines to preach compared to my colleagues, like Pastor Kelsey, who got our Father, while I got Thy Kingdom Come. Pastor Nate gets forever next week, while I get Thy Will Be Done, which I had preached on. Pastor Edwin will be closing us off with Amen in a couple of weeks. One word. While I get to preach on, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So many more words. Maybe this is one of the perks of being the senior associate pastor. I just always thought that meant I was the oldest one on the pastoral team. But maybe it goes both ways. So thank you, Pastor Nate. <laughs> All right, let us pray. Oh Lord, open our eyes that we may see you. Open our ears that we may hear you. Open our hearts that we may feel you. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. So I wanted to start out by telling you, ooh, by first fixing my mic before I tell you the story. So I wanted to tell you a story of a man who wanted to have a suit made. So he went to a tailor in town named Zumbach. Zumbach took his measurement and ordered very fine material. After a while, the man went in for a fitting and put on the suit. One sleeve was two inches longer than the other, and he said, Zumbach, it's a beautiful suit, but this sleeve is longer than the other sleeve. Zumbach looked offended and said, there is nothing wrong with the suit. It's the way you're standing. And he pushed one of man's shoulders down and the other one up. And see, if you stand like that, it fits perfectly. The fellow looked in the mirror again, and now there was all this loose material behind the collar. He said, Zumbach, what's all this material sticking out? Zumbach said, it's the way you're standing. And he pushed in the man's chin and made him hunch his shoulders. But with the shoulders all hunched up, there is another problem. Now my whole rear end is sticking out. The man complied. The man complained. No problem, just lift up your rear end so it fits under the jacket. Again, the man complied, which left his body in a completely contorted posture. But standing like this, the pants are too short. Zumbuck answered, if you'll just bend your knees a little, you'll see the trousers are just perfect. The customer tried it, and lo and behold, with his knees bent, his rear end lifted up, his shoulders hunched, and one shoulder pushing up and the other one pushing down, the suit fit perfectly. 
The man paid the tailor and walked out of the shop in a terribly awkward posture, with his shoulders lopsided and his head straining forward, struggling to keep all parts of the suit in their right places. He was walking to the bus, and somebody came up to him and said, "What a beautiful suit! I bet Zumbach, the tailor, made it." The man asked, "How'd you know?" Because. Only a tailor of Zumbach's skill could make a suit fit so perfectly on somebody with as many physical problems as you have. <laughs> have you ever felt like this man? So many times we feel trapped wearing a suit that wasn't meant for us. Trying to fit into others' expectations and even our own assumptions that we have hard time getting rid of. Many times we walk around feeling trapped and contorted. Trapped. So how do we get out of this trap? In our passage today, we find the Pharisees and Herodians coming to Jesus with the question to trap him. Earlier in the week, Jesus rode into Jerusalem, greeted by the cheering crowd. Right after that, he went to the temple and overthrew the tables of money changers. He challenged both the political and religious leaders by telling several parables that threatened their authority. It's not surprising that both the religious leaders, the Pharisees, and the political leaders, the Herodians, two parties that absolutely hate each other, would come together to trap Jesus, their common enemy. What they ask him is really clever: Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? If Jesus answered yes, his adoring fans would turn against him, and if he answered no, he would become the target of the Roman government. Have you ever felt trapped, trying to appease everybody and to please them all, trapped in a small mindedness of people and situations that always seem to demand a yes or no, black or white answers? That's why I love Jesus's answer so much. He doesn't give them an answer that they're looking for. He doesn't let them put an ill-fitting suit on him. Jesus asks for a coin and asks, "Whose head is this and whose title?" They answered, "The emperor's." And then he said to them, "Give therefore to the emperor the things that are emperor's, and to God the things that are God's." And what are that the things? Of God, if the coin is Caesar's because it has his image on it, who bears the image of God? Who bears the image of God? We do, because we have been created in God's image. In essence, Jesus is saying the coin may belong to Caesar because it is his image on it, but all of your souls have been stamped with God's image from the very beginning. So you and you 
and you and you all belong to God. Oh, and by the way, even that coin really isn't Caesar's because the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it, the world and those who live in it, Psalm 24, 1. In other words, there is nothing that is not God's for God created the heavens and the earth. We've been looking at the Lord's Prayer for this summer and the last three have been petitions. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. After that comes, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. The prayer we say every Sunday does not end with us asking for things that we need, but giving to God what rightfully belongs to God ascribing to God, crediting God for what is rightfully God's. You see our daily bread, staying away from temptation, being delivered from evil, none of that matter if the kingdom and the power and the glory do not belong to God. Sometimes we're so preoccupied with little things our little coins and whose faces are on, the, on them, that we lose sight of who we are, whose we are, and who God is. We become trapped living a small life, answering yes or no questions instead of living a life of love, forgiveness, grace, and truth. Many times we think our relationship with God is only defined by what we receive from God, such as daily bread, guidance, deliverance. While that may well be true, what would it mean to see our life defined by what we give rather than what we receive? Jesus' life was defined by what he gave. The love and healing he poured out for those who were not deemed worthy by the society were mind-boggling. So perhaps it was because he saw the image of God on each and every one of them and knew that they too belonged to God. Without knowing that we're created in God's image, we cannot give to God what belongs to God. A few weeks ago, Pastor and I were talking about upcoming events, and he was a little bit anxious and mentioned more than once how he needed to write a homily for the upcoming memorial service. He had just met with the family a couple days ago, and it was especially a busy, busy week, and he had a wedding that same weekend, and he felt bad that he hadn't written the homily for the upcoming memorial service, although he already knew exactly what he wanted to say. So I said flippantly, you've written these hundreds of times. I'm sure you'll get it done in no time. And he responded, reflectively and said, well, there is only one of them. There is only one of them. And each one is so special and different. And he didn't have to say anymore. I could feel the love he had for all those that he served. And because they were uniquely created in God's 
image. He wanted to give them the time and energy and the love that each one deserved. And that is such a gift to me and to this congregation to know that our senior pastor never forgets the importance of how we're created in God's image. <laughs> I shared this in, at the nine o'clock service and realized as I was sharing it that I had not asked his permission to share it. And so I thought I will apologize later, which I did. Thank you for letting me share this. We're so blessed to have all of you, hopefully to know that you have been uniquely created in God's image. Give to God what is God's, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory and that, and that includes you and me. And there are times when we feel trapped because we don't know how to give ourselves to God without doing something. Giving and doing aren't the same things. Earlier this year, I had the privilege of recording video interviews with our new officers. Well, at the end of each video, there's this part where I ask them to pick out a star. On the other side of the star is a word they can hold on for for the rest of the year as they serve. One of them picked a star that had the word enough on the other side. When she saw that, she immediately teared up and said, it, it doesn't matter how much I do during the day. I go to bed each night feeling like I haven't done enough. How many of us feel this way? That somehow you're not giving enough, doing enough, or being enough. Enough. You are enough. Being a child of God is enough. Belonging to God is enough. Giving ourselves to God doesn't mean doing more. It means living more in clothes that actually fit us well. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, and that includes you and me. People living under the Roman Empire might have owed a debt to Caesar they had to pay back in the form of taxes. The only debt we will ever owe in God's kingdom, the kingdom that is here and yet is to come, is the debt of love. Loving those we don't think we can possibly love, loving enemies like Jesus did, even those who have hurt us. When the kingdom and the power and the glory belong to God, when we can see the big picture, 
we can delve deeper into our relationships, relationships that we have forgotten about, relationships that have hurt us in the past. We can delve into those relationships and claim them for God's kingdom and power and glory. Recently, I read a moving story of Oprah Winfrey at her mother's deathbed. Her mother had abandoned her for most of her life, and now she was on the last leg of the journey. Oprah visited her in Milwaukee, but couldn't find the right words to say. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oprah not knowing the right words to say. This TV, huge TV personality who had interviewed literally thousands of people couldn't find the right words for her dying mother. So after watching TV with her all day, she just said, bye, I'll be seeing ya, and left the room. But she knew she had to go back. She prayed that God would give her the right words, and as she sat with her again the next day, the words came to her. She said, it must have been hard for you, not having an education, not having a skill, not knowing what the future held when you became pregnant. I'm sure a lot of people told you to get rid of the baby. And her mother nodded and sobbed. But you didn't, Oprah went on. And I want to thank you for keeping that baby. So now you can leave, knowing that it is well. It is well with my soul. It has been well for a while now. And with that, her mother was gone. At the moment of her mother's death, Oprah chose to define the relationship by what she gave, forgiveness and love, rather than what she received all her life from that relationship, abandonment and abuse. For too long, We've been wearing ill-fitting clothes that have contorted our minds and spirits. Many times we forget that we're children of God, created in God's image, free to love and free to be loved. Which relationships do you need to give yourself to this week? Which places in your life do you feel trapped? Just as Jesus gave himself for us, let us freely give ourselves and our lives to God and to one another. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And that includes you and me. Amen.